how does that... <laughs> I mean, we know this is going Once to be... Once again, always, you had us at hello. Hello. Yes. Billy, we just had a conversation before we started recording mm, um, mm, mm. about the structure of this holiday pod. Madness. And Sheer we, madness. We have not communicated very no, well. not at all. But you know what? That's what the holiday season is all about. Not communicating with your friends and family. <laughs> <laughs> So I feel like that's okay. Also, this is going to be a super messy pod anyway, because I have actually been busy and got a job, which is why we've taken so long. I got hired on casual on Hulu. Congrats. And I started it, thank you, and I started it six weeks ago. And how's it going? It's so good, and it's so good for my mental health, because I'm leaving the house every day. Going outside? Going out. Actually, actually out the, the door. House. Oh wow! Okay. No, I get in my car every morning and I turn on NPR and I drive to work, Billy. It's almost like you're a professional person I know, living in, I know. in this. Yeah. Uh, yes, and then I ruin it all by mm. um, opening my mouth and you know, the illusion is shattered. But um, how big is the writing room? It what is. There? Uh, there are in total eight of us. Great. I think. It's great, and it's just a real... It's actually been a fantastic reminder to me of um, how, as writers, being busy is the best thing to, um, you know, take away any of your neuroses and every single one of your physical ailments that are really acute mm. when, you're, when you're not busy. And then right. when you're busy, suddenly yeah. those, those, like, you know, the, the headaches and the achy back and the, the bad foot and the... Well, because they know, really are liabilities. I don't have, I don't have a bad you, you foot. You can't... Actually. Yeah, you, but you can't pay attention to them because you're writing... I'm busy. So, yes, yeah, so that yeah. is why we haven't done one for a while. And mm-hmm. that's also why this is going to be um, not super prepped, as no, they say. No, no. Um, we, we had all these plans <laughs> and we communicated by email and we succeeded, or at least I succeeded, in completely misinterpreting everything that... Uh, I love that you it. took the blame for that, though, because I could equally <laughs> take the blame for that, because I am usually the one that does the organising, but I... Well, moving right along. Yes, well, I wrote down here, <laughs> we are going to give each other the gift of holiday rom-coms yes. and characters. Mm-hmm. Um, what the structure is, which was, is three movies that we're going to gift to each other of mm-hmm. the holiday kind, mm-hmm. and then we were going to do three characters of from holiday movies as well. When we say holiday... To clarify, we yes. are Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's, Year's Eve. Yes. Yes. The whole sh- sh- shmageggy. Yes. Yeah. But then you interpreted it as... Oh, well, when we get there... Let's get there. We... Anyway, but before we go anywhere, and this the, the main thing I want to just start talking about, which is sort of a companion piece to uh, the gifts, or at least you will explain the subtext when we get there, is that on Twitter, our favourite place, which I've actually been having a massive break from... And then every time I venture back on, something terrible happens, like people ask me a question that I don't want to answer. But we were posited a question. Um, someone sort of CC'd us on a tweet, um, mm-hmm. and someone had written, I really feel like Hollywood has gotten terrible at romances. Um, and then the writer-director, Lexi Alexander, replied, Always has been. It's the reason young men think persistence is good, no means yes, and platonic relationships with women are worthless. And then let me just read you some of the uh, subsequent uh, replies. Mm -hmm. Yep, I've often heard it said, and I agree completely, that rom-coms are way worse than porn when it comes to distorting people's views of sex and romance. Mm -hmm. And someone else chips in, yes, I recently had a conversation on how stalkerish, creepy men are often romanticised in movies, like Andrew Lincoln's character in Love Actually and Gordon Levitt in Five Hundred Days of Summer. This is my favourite last bit. Right now, romance in Hollywood looks like a middle-aged man masturbating at his desk. (laughs) And then, 
On top of that, I uh, had someone... Just get that image fixed in your mind, yes. audience, for our holiday podcast. Yes. yes. And, then, <laughs> and then I had someone at me and have a go at me for the character of Sean in Man Up. And at that point, Billy, I was just like, of all... Okay, of all the things to be upset about this year, in the grand scheme of the world, I yes. feel like the romantic comedy, yet again, yeah. takes a hit... Yeah. I mean, yeah. what the fuck? Like, mm. at the time when we need hope and exactly. love. and, and Exactly. Like, why? Okay, well, here's the thing. Let's, let's look at that always comment, this idea that romantic comedies and romance has always been bad for us. One thing I'll note historically, romantic comedy comes from the screwball comedies of the 30s. Correct. And the 30s, it was a whole different deal. It was strong, powerful women. You had Barbara Stanwyck and Rosalind Russell and young Kate Hepburn and uh, Carol Lombard. And in fact, the stories were off the, the whole reversal, the comedic idea of them was woman chasing man. Yeah. So it, it had nothing to do with these kinds of stereotypical dynamics that, that she's describing. So let's put aside the always. Okay? Yes, let's now, take the always out if, of it. If it's been this way more of late... You and I have talked exhaustively about how the genre in the end of the 80s into the 90s... It's the golden goose into again. the aughts, right, got killed by, you know, formulaic and sort of stupid reiteration of the same formulaic stuff. And uh, we can blame the genre for that or we can blame the producers, but it's, it's, it's a very specific thing. And on top of that, I just need to point out, any movie, okay, <laughs> take out... The, take the genre specific away. Any movie that is made for a mainstream audience in Hollywood is bound to have some kind of a satisfying ending, right? If Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid had not ended with a freeze frame before they went out there to meet all those people with guns, imagine. I, know. I mean, you would have had this devastating bloodshed. It would have been like a peck and paw movie, and it would have been a horrible tragedy. So the only way that movie stays on the upbeat is they cut before the fatal yeah. finish. So similarly, in romantic comedies, all we are seeing is the end of a successful courtship. And I always fantasize, for example, at the end of Sleepless in Seattle, where they have this great, finally they meet in the last five minutes of the movie. And I'm always thinking about that elevator ride down. Yeah, what see, actually is said in that elevator. Yeah, and I can see Hanks turns to, uh, to Ryan. Ryan and says, so I, I just hope you're not one of those Republicans. <laughs> And she goes, well, wait a second. My dad was a conservative. I've always voted Republican. And then by the time they're on the street, it's over. Or she says, I'm fiscally conservative. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying, the only reason we have these happy endings is that these are courtship stories. That's well, where the story it's ends, funny, when they actually. get together. Yeah, and it's yeah. funny. One of the lovely writers in the room, Harris Danow, asked me, I was telling him I was doing this pod, and he said to me, oh... Are there any rom-coms that come in mid-relationship? Because I was positing your theory mm. that, you know, mm -hmm. we only see the, en the end of these things. And I couldn't think of any offhand. The only examples I could think of in terms of the structural things were things like Eternal Sunshine, where the relationship has already happened. Yeah. Then I thought about the breakup. But the thing is with the breakup is that I would argue it's not funny enough to come into a rom-com category. Um, it's just too dark, you know? It's, it's not, it's got maybe what? five funny moments in it, if that. Yeah, and there, yeah. it goes to some very dark places. Very dark. Uh, so anyway, uh, it, my point, the reason I bring up the idea of the happy ending is just to say that we need to get a little perspective on this. Meaning, obviously, if you're seeing a romantic comedy and it's about the courtship, we are not presenting a textbook 
for how relationships should be sustained. And I just feel like, why... <laughs> like, you know, if you're not... If, if you are a reasonably sane person, I like to think that you go and watch whatever movie you watch and you don't then... Um, pick up a gun, you don't then beat someone up. You right, don't right. Then, it's not like you see a film you know, noir and you go out and murder yeah, someone. Yeah, but on top of that, when you watch romantic comedy, you enter into a contract in terms of this is a... If you, you have to be a fucking idiot to, to actually think that the way that people behave in those movies is necessarily how a relationship unfolds. But that's an even separate issue, is that I can't think of a romantic comedy that I have seen where I actually have a problem with the courtship element of things, because it's always... Flirting is emphatic, stalking is creepy, and that's why they're in thrillers and not in romantic comedies. Right, right. So... I do understand, though, the, the resistance to, you know, the, there was once, uh, about 10 years back, there was a great Onion article, and I, I'm only paraphrasing, but the headline was something like, uh, man arrested in attempting to be in a romantic comedy. And it was sort of, you know, they were detailing all the funny things he did to try to win the girl, and of course they were horrific you know, like these feats that were just god-awful. And so that, that sort of proves the point. But again, you have to take it in context. It's, it's an influence, but I never thought... What's ironic here is the romantic comedy is just codifying something that's true in real life, which is making the grand gesture... That's romantic. Yeah. That does work. Yes. Like, if you're trying to win somebody yes. over, you do something big, it kind of, And I you think know, they're just two separate issues. I completely agree with, like, expecting... That's Norbert's Bell in the background for everybody, not okay. not um, a reindeer mm-hmm. for a holiday pod. It's oh, Norbert's Bell. I think they're two separate issues on some level because I completely understand the argument of, like, you expect that kind of, you know, that kind of romantic relationship in your life. Mm-hmm. But I don't think you can then say, and because of that, it means that men think that they can touch your ass or, you know, harass you in a certain kind of way. Because those right. people are mentally unstable who are doing that, or they are too powerful, or they are, you know, terrible people. Can we not just... My point is, before I get super angry about this, yeah. can we not just blame the men for their behaviour yes. rather than romantic comedies which... I just feel like let's let's lev- let's not get too carried away. You I know? Quite let's agree. Just, let's blame some men and their actions yes. rather than some romantic comedy films. And the magic word <laughs> to invoke would be consent. Meaning, if you're watching a romantic comedy and someone is being quote unquote persistent, yeah. chances are in most romantic comedies that's because the other character is at least interested, but at least in the ball game. But right? otherwise, I'm watching. Like I was, I was thinking in my head, oh, so someone should write a sexual harassment rom com. And I was like, no, because the whole point is, is that it wouldn't be funny, so therefore it wouldn't be a romantic comedy. It's, it's just. And in fact, if it is excessive, like the famous uh, Cusack holding the blaster over his yeah. head, that's the point, Yeah, is that it is excessive, and he is going beyond the norm, and <laughs> it's supposed to be funny and endearing. <laughs> no. It's not saying, this is what you should go out and do tomorrow. No, and you know what? If someone that I didn't know, I mean, didn't say anything, he knows her quite well, you mm-hmm. know? They, they go to school together. Well, He's they've not, already been involved. Yeah, he's not a... Perfect fucking stranger who's standing yeah. outside her apartment right. with a boombox, you know. Um, I and I feel like we go into the movies expecting to see things that aren't real life, you know. Mm-hmm. And and if One you are think. yes, and if you are going into a romantic comedy thinking that that is what your life is going to be like, then you're in trouble. You're in massive trouble. <laughs> if you put the big sick okay movie we both loved, a romantic comedy, the thriller version of that is of course. He doesn't know her and he pretends he knows her and he sits by her bedside and pretends to the parents and he's dark and he 
does awful things to her when she's in a coma. Right. And he tries to smother <laughs> That's her. That's the psycho version. That's yes. the fucking yeah. psycho version right, of exactly. it. Yeah. The comedy version is I know this person, I love her, but I'm not sure if I do. Oh, she's in a coma. Oh, shit. We've kind of broken up. I'm, even, I'm, even when I'm saying it, it's a yeah. funny story. Well, yes. And there's your persistence yes. in a context where it makes sense. Oh, anyway. anyway. So I hope, I don't remember the name of the lovely lady who sort of said, would you two like to get stuck into that uh, thing? I'm just looking at some of my notes here and I've just put really aggressively, let's just blame Shakespeare and Jane Austen for creating templates for our expectations. (laughs) (laughs) Damn you, Will. Yeah. Damn you, Jane. I mean, if anyone encouraged pursuing a lady, Shakespeare, perhaps. Indeed, indeed. Anyway. um, Clearly a sexist fool. Clearly a Mm -hmm. sexist fool. (laughs) Okay. When you get drunk, honey Why don't you get drunk with me no more You know it's been good You've been my gushing hunger, honey So why'd you forget this time And lock the back porch door So now now can we get to the good stuff? Yeah, because now, okay, so You know, now we've vented the segue we vented, yes the segue into the next section is... I don't know, that was your phone beeping. The segue into the next section is that exactly what we've just been talking about, that we need these movies at the moment more than ever God, to yes. make us feel good about ourselves. Yes. And what makes you feel better about yourself than a holiday a rom-com? A holiday rom-com, Okay? Yes. Mm. So just like our last... Uh, women pod where we surprised each other mm-hmm. with our choices. Mm-hmm. We stuck to that template yes. this time around because it worked so well for us. By the way, please um, do leave reviews and rate us on iTunes because we have 13 lovely reviews of people saying the How loveliest nice. things and we yeah. had like 12,000 downloads, Billy. Wow. Merry Christmas to us. That's great. Um, so yeah, so shall we start with our gifts Our gifts of a holiday rom-com? Yes. Uh, why don't you give me my gift first? The first um, one. Well, the first one. The first one, uh, people don't necessarily think of it as a romantic comedy because it's a musical. And yet many, many, many musicals are romantic comedies with music. So this one is Meet Me in St. Louis. Uh, Do you know it? You know what? I've, I have not seen it for such a long time, but someone on Twitter was very insistent that we talk about it. So I'm going to take it away, me, please. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to play? Because do we have legal well, rights to it? Well, no, it's just, it's just a, a little blip. Uh, one thing, in case you were wondering, is Meet Me in St. Louis a holiday movie? I will remind you of the famous song that comes from Meet Me in St. Louis. And that is, of course, Judy Garland. The young Judy Garland singing that Christmas classic in Meet Me in St. Louis, which is full of snow, holiday cheer, uh, wonderful, poignant Christmas moments. It's a little dark, too. Can you remind me of the setup of it, please? Well, it's the boy next door. It's basically she's falling in love with this guy who's moved in next door, and then the big crisis of the movie is, oh, my God, the whole family's leaving town just when she was actually getting involved with this fellow and what will become of them. And, and so he, I, does he move to St. Louis? I honestly don't remember the yeah. trajectory of the movie. I'm just saying the whole thing starts in the land. And there's another, her sister, I think, is seeing somebody as well. And so there's parallel, there's two two love stories going on. And uh, that's really what gets the whole story in the motion. Drive. Yeah. I always think of it as a Christmas movie, for sure. Just because I, I feel like she's sitting in a window when she sings that song. And mm-hmm. she's 
possibly dressed as Santa. <laughs> well, in a <laughs> holiday, the holiday garb. garb. She's actually holding two little holiday, uh, like, elves statue uh, puppets. Puppets or yeah, something. Yeah. 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 She's, I, I, she's trying to make her sister, her little sister, feel better about uh, what's going on. Yeah. Okay. I mean, like, and... I should really go back and watch it because in my mind it's one of those you know you know you have, in life you have those movies that you you feel you've seen mm-hmm. just because you've seen right. the stills yes. or the compilation right. best of Christmas movies sure. or whatever and I yeah, don't yeah. think I've ever thought of it as a romantic comedy yeah um, but it is. because like yeah because I haven't probably seen it properly <laughs> and subtext it is the movie on which uh, unless it's apocryphal uh, history books tell us it's where Vincent Minnelli and Judy Garland fell in love oh, and began their their courtship their, their courtship and their oh. love that led to marriage yeah oh, that led to Liza yeah <laughs> that led to Liza <laughs> so there you are are there other what are the other that, is that the main Christmas song from it yeah that's the big one that's the biggie there's the trolley song but that's not Christmas, that's not Christmas. those are the two big songs and it's the whole thing set over it's all because like, there's snow it takes, it takes yeah it's over a period of time uh, I think it's at least a few months but Christmas is prominent it's prominent in it yeah. because it was interesting I was um thinking about what actually constitutes a holiday movie and um and it was snow and woolly jumpers snow is so important cold good snow hats bobble hats yes yes um anything that implies like you're coming into a warm room from a cold exterior that that usually there's some family in yes no but i mean when you think about it (laughs) yeah i mean these are like the primal elements right of a good romance well this brings me to my choice okay do you see how i did that yes oh beautiful Moonstruck, which uh, you knew I was probably going to do anyway. Probably, yeah. But uh, Moonstruck is the perfect example of a movie you don't necessarily think is a Christmas movie. Yeah, but it's, but it's, in it's there. set at Christmas. That's so right. you see people um, picking up a Christmas tree, That's you see right. lights. Yes. You see everyone is dressed mm-hmm. in cold garb. Mm-hmm. Cold garb? Is that how you describe <laughs> it? Not cold garb. <laughs> we'll we'll warm, allow that. Warm garb. Warm, warm garb, garb, that okay. one. Um, and. Even like the scenes where I think remember when she, when uh, Cher's character comes back and she sits by the fire and she like listens to a certain type of music mm-hmm. and tries to dress tries a dress on and stuff. Um, but there are lights everywhere. There are twinkly lights throughout the whole of Moonstruck and snow. And snow. Um, there's a sense of family. There's also another thing: sense of beginnings and endings, which is a very holiday movie mm. kind of trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it's why it kind of suits the romantic comedy structure so yeah, well. Yeah, I yeah. think. Beginnings but and Moonstruck to me is just is the perfect kind of Christmas movie because number one, you don't obviously realise it's necessarily a Christmas movie, mm-hmm. um, but it's so. Um, it's so big, you know, everything is mm-hmm. big in that yeah, movie. Yeah. The declarations of love right. um, and the sense of um, betrayal and friendship mm-hmm. and the themes of that movie. And I mean, I'm obsessed with it anyway, as you know. So it was to my delight that I realised I could categorise it as a kind of Christmas movie. Um, mm. But I just think people um, forget to put it in that holiday category yeah, sometimes. you're right, because it wouldn't have occurred like, to me right off. No, but yes. you see. Well, thank you very much for That's Moonstruck. That's my gift to I you. I mean, how many times have you seen it? Oh, maybe four or five. It's not enough. Okay. Okay. Time for another. Okay. So uh, the next gift for you that I would like to give to you is also prompted by some Twitter feedback. Oh, okay. Which is to see again the apartment. Oh, I was, do you know what? Because a couple of people messaged us about the apartment. Yeah. And I was thinking about the apartment, and it starts the week before Christmas, doesn't it? It mm-hmm. ends on New Year's Eve. Yes. And there's a very pivotal scene at a Christmas party. Yes. Which is where the whole thing turns. It's kind of the second act break. When she realizes... When she realizes that... Uh, what's he's, what's he's the seeing other Jack, women. Well, and yes, and that Jack Lemmon is the one who really loves her. Who really loves her, yeah. yeah. And I, when I think about that movie, I... 
Again, I don't necessarily think of it as a Christmas... I mean, it is blatantly a Christmas movie. Very much but so. But they disguise it in certain yeah. kind of well, ways. I think it's also because it's such a dark movie. It's dark, I mean, it's funny kind of a, dark. A funny dark. Well. well, Billy Wilder. I know. I mean, but that that's why it's so interesting to me that some of the biggest fans of romantic comedy love that movie. I know. Because it's a dark, dark story. Suicide, yeah. for one thing. Yeah. You know, featured. So, I mean, to me, it's like, that's why I, I'm... I, figured the Alpha and Omega, like, meet me in St. Louis is your yeah. upbeat kind of gift, <laughs> and then the apartment is for the darkness, to acknowledge. I always yeah. think about that scene in the lift, uh, the initial scene in the lift, oh, and, yeah. and because it's one of those unique movies in the sense that the the, the, the cute meet, they've already met, they know each other, yeah. it's, so it's a good example of, like, mm-hmm. they're not, you know, they're not meeting in the lift, and like, oh, who are you? They know right. each other already, they've yeah. got a shorthand, she's, yeah. you know, taking them up and down, doing her right. thing, and, um, and she is so... I mean, she's a sad but funny lady in that film as well, yeah. Shani oh, McLean. Fantastic. You know, yeah. she is Fran so. Kubelik. Oh, is that what's her name in it? Kubelik. Oh, yeah. Fran Kubelik's almost perfect. Yeah. It's quite a long film, if I remember rightly, for that era. Maybe so. Yeah. I feel like it's pushing the two hour mark. Huh, could be. I mean, that's fine by me. I've also noticed that British people mm. tend to exalt it and value it more than Americans. David Allison, our good mutual friend, mm-hmm. he was the one on Twitter who was, well, obs- was saying to us, please, please, Case please. Point. Yeah, they do exalt it. I, I, I wonder if that's because it actually appeals to our... It's, it's kind of sarcastic in tone. Yeah, sarcastic you know? even, yes. Yeah, so I, I, would, I would see that it would be appealing. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. the Brits love Wilder in general, yeah. you know? I think we have always found that... The fast-paced chat, that he, his dialogue is very appealing um, mm-hmm. to the slow British. With his actual wit With his actual wits. We're not known Imagine. for our wits. Oh, that's a great choice, the apartment. Um, okay. I... Oh! I just realised that it was mine as well. <laughs> <laughs> Billy, I've given you a double gift. You well, can return it. So, you can return it. Oh, well, but... We could just watch it again. We could just watch it again. Okay, oh, no, but I've got another one, don't okay. worry. In yeah. fact, I've got a backup one as well. Yeah. Mine is In Search of a Midnight Kiss that I am going to give you. Look at your face. <laughs> in Search of the Midnight Kiss? You haven't seen In Search of a Midnight Kiss? I've never even heard of In Search of the Midnight oh, Kiss. Oh, Billy, man, sometimes I worry about you. Um, it came out in 2007. It's a New Year's Eve movie. Wow. It was actually um, the inspiration for Man Up. It's a one-night kind of movie. Mm. Um, it was written by Alex Holdridge. Um, he's done a few things since. It's Scoot McNary. Uh, and the setup is uh, it's all in black and white. It's very low budget. Mm. Um, he is had the worst year of his life. Yeah. And um, he just on New Year's Eve wants to batten down the hatches, you know, draw the blinds and stay in and not go out. And his roommate says, no, you can't do that. It's the worst thing. Put an advert on Craigslist. I mean, this is very 2007. Right. Saying that you're looking for someone to spend New Year's Eve with. Ah. So he does it, not ah. expecting anyone to answer. Uh-huh. He gets a reply from a, a slightly, um, seemingly a bit unhinged lady um, who is... Or her intent in the whole thing is that she just wants to meet someone, to, uh, the right guy to spend... For it to turn midnight with, for it to turn midnight with. So um, it's a crazy night movie. They meet. They actually Mm. meet. It's filmed just down the road from from where I live. Um, They meet. Also Los Angeles. Yeah, LA set, um, and they end up having to go back to her ex boyfriends to get stuck. It's it's a very sweet, funny little movie. But just in my own defense, I have to say I've never even seen. I know. I mean, it won uh, the John Casvetti's award at the the Spirit Awards. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. I sit re-educated. Do you know what? I've never seen it on. I don't know if it's on Netflix. I don't know what it's on, but Hmm. I've seen it a couple of times, and and. and, um, May I point out that in some ways, Man Up is a holiday movie. 
Yes. Woolly hats. That's right. Warmth. Yeah. Beginnings and weather. endings. Weather. Mm-hmm. Family. Yeah. You know, just yeah. saying. Yeah. Just saying, Billy. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, give me your third movie then. My third, uh, and uh, this was a toss-up. I was caught because due to my pedantic nature and my pretentious inclinations, I, I, my first impulse was to give you a really obscure movie that not too many people know anything about but is so much a Christmas rom-com. And that is a movie called Remember the Night. 1940. Oh, you've really... I mean... I, okay, but wait, hear me out. <laughs> it's it's more famous for being a kind of a things-to-come movie because it was screenplay by Preston Sturges, directed by Mitchell Leeson. So it's before Sturges became a director. And he first came to fame with the screenplays. And it's actually Barbara Stanwyck and Fred McMurray oh, pre-double double indemnity. indemnity. Yes. Oh, nice. So it's like them in completely different contexts and roles. And the idea is she's a shoplifter, He's a DA, and it's Christmas Eve, <laughs> and he can't bear the thought of putting her in jail for the night, and so he takes her home, basically, to see the family that she had, you know, that had ostracized her. That sounds and great. It is kind of great, but it's a really little movie. Like, I, I can't make a case for it as being, like, this great uh, unknown rom-com. It's, it's kind of obscure for a reason, meaning it's more famous because of sort of what came out of it Afterwards, further on. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a nice little movie? It's a nice little movie, so if you've never seen it, it's worth taking a look. That's fine by me. Yeah. Remember the night. Remember the night. Now, the one that I'm officially giving okay. you, Ooh, much more famous, uh, from the same year, is Shop Around the Corner. Okay, so someone tweeted us about this. Yes. So, um, for people that don't know, Shop Around the Corner is what You've Got Mail yes. was ultimately it's based what on. turned into You've Got Mail. So, and it's Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart and Maureen Sullivan. And they play rival shop owners, is that? No, no, the way it is in the original is they're both employees right. in a shop. Got it's it. in the Christmas season. I think it takes place between Christmas and New Year's or over the Christmas, New Year's week. And the idea is he's corresponding with someone not realizing that it's his co-worker who they supposedly hate. And how do they... Is it letters then? Is yeah, it just letters. Kind of like, actual oh, letters. Oh, my God. How yeah, lovely. Imagine a that. A letter. Yeah, yeah. So it's, so it's Lubitsch. Oh, and Lubitsch. It, and it is just superb, meaning it's witty, it's charming, it's warm-hearted, it's old school, it's got a really European, meaning old European flavor, beautiful black and white, and uh, it had originally been a play, so it's a very contained, sort of within that small set kind of thing. But it really is worth if, if you haven't seen it. I don't think I have really because I, I, I feel like I only know about it because of You've Got Mail. I think yeah. that's why, you know, that's my sort of like, you know, the fact machine comes out, but I've never actually seen it. So I'm going to yeah. watch it this Christmas. Thank yeah, you for that check gift, it out. Billy. It's a little dated, but it will warm your heart. But you know what? So is You've Got Mail. Oh, I mean. God, yes. <laughs> By now, yeah, with AOL and everything. Yeah. I watched it a few years ago, and it and you know how much I adore um, Nora Ephron, obviously, mm-hmm. but it 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 didn't quite hold up for me. Sleepless in Seattle weirdly still does, and actually mm-hmm. we could have done an affair to remember as well, couldn't we? That would have been technically... not a comedy, not a comedy. Mm, okay, not a comedy, you're right, yeah. but a Christmas movie nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> a sad. I'll give you that. A sad Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Um, a romance, just yes. a romance. Yes. No comedy. No comedy. Um, but sleepless in the sleep sleepless in Seattle um, is kind of schmaltzy and over the top, but it still gets me. Whereas, oh, yeah. whereas yeah. you've got mail, I struggled with. Mm-hmm. I was. I'm with you there. Not one of my favourites. So I have to do my weird backup one now, which is not really any, doesn't really adhere to any of our criteria. 
Um, but I just put mermaids. Now, I know it's not a rom-com, technically. Um, <laughs> it has rom-com strands. Okay, yeah. Um, and it has a big New Year's Eve set piece. Ah. Um, where, and so that was just because I realised yeah. I was... Now I know that we doubled up in the apartment. I put yeah. mermaids exclamation mark. Mm-hmm. Because also, I just think... I don't know if you've watched it recently. No. It is a lovely movie. Hmm. Um, and it's incredibly romantic and funny. It okay. just... The central drive is between various strands of people so you've got Cher and Bob Hoskins relationship which is very much a romantic comedy like she meets him in a shoe store he's a shoe salesman and then you've got Winona Ryder who's writing these crazy diaries and in love with uh, Michael Shuffling from 16 Candles and and the whole kind of premise is these people trying to kind of like she just wants to lose her virginity um, so it's not technically a romantic comedy but it has a, a lot of romance and a lot of comedy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and the poster of the movie is, is the New Year's Eve scene because she's, Cher is dressed as a mermaid right. etc etc yeah. um, right. and uh, Christina Ricci is amazing in it as well she plays the little daughter huh. um, uh, so it's a lovely movie and it feels like again a holiday movie they are cold they are wearing Warm garb yeah. in it. Warm garb, it's okay. snowy. It's icy. Uh-huh. Uh, it's about family. It's about I'll new take beginnings. It. So I'll let's take, take it. it and, and I haven't seen it since it's released. You know so. what? I really think you would mm-hmm. you would be fascinated by it as a film that should have probably got a lot more um, attention. attention than it than okay. it did, rather than everyone just thinking of the Shoop Shoop song, right? Which is fine by me as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure Cher's fine mm-hmm. with it. I don't think she's losing any sleep. Now this is where we fucked it all up. Um, I chose three characters that I was going to gift you that are from holiday movies. And I I thought (laughs) somehow I read, misread your email to think that what you wanted was if a romantic comedy character was to give you a Christmas gift. <laughs> so I actually I actually thought I this it. through. I love it. And I thought of three characters in three romantic Philly, comedies and the gifts they could give. conceivably give. This is give genius, me. please. But you, so, no, you do yours. All right, so... Mine will be so boring in comparison now. Well, we should go back and forth. Okay. We can break it up. My first one is... The betrayed wife, Karen, in Love Actually, played by Emma Thompson, is giving me a Joni Mitchell CD box set. (laughs) (laughs) And and the reason why I thought this was kind of wonderful is that when you think about it, Joni Mitchell is sort of like the Nora Ephron of singer-songwriters in that so many of her songs are little romantic comedies Comedies, in like a three to four minute uh, module. Yeah. I mean, everything on blue, practically, from the last time I saw Richard, which has a sort of a weird dark holiday feel. He's in the bar with the stars and the thing. Yeah. And, and then, you know, Carrie and, and uh, A Case of You, which I recently Case learned. Case of You, is, I love that song. Which I recently learned is about Leonard Cohen. I mean, she, she really just you didn't miss a trick I back think in I the knew day. that. I love the KD Lang version of Case of You. It's, it's great. It's a great song. So anyway, so all of her stuff, including like in his era or his gyra, there's Coyote, which is about Sam Shepard, and you can hear him in the background if you've got your headphones on. So uh, I just kind of thought, how wonderful to have this romantic comedy character uh, give this sort of like little <laughs> mini museum of little rom-com songs. And I thought, isn't that nice? <laughs> That's a great gift. I mean, you just want that from Emma Thompson anyway, wouldn't you? Yeah. You know, like that, I'm sure she Now, in the that. true Christmas spirit, the real way to do this game is I should be saying Emma Thompson is giving it to you. Oh, thank right? you, Emma. So there's your CD set. The, thank you, Emma. I shall listen to it for the next few weeks. Um, 
I feel like you should do your Prezi's first and I'll do characters. Okay. Because like, otherwise it's like... Right. You know. Okay. So then another character from a romantic comedy who's giving gifts. I want Kumail Nanjiani from The Big Sick to give you a sense of humor on the political front. <laughs> <laughs> because one of the great things about that movie is how it really finds comedy in some pretty serious political stuff, including that one of the best gags in the movie. I'm sorry, sorry to be a spoiler if you haven't seen it by now, but that's your fault yeah. if you haven't seen it. Loses. Is when uh, poor Ray Romano is trying to make conversation with Kumail in the cafeteria in their first like sit down. He says... So stupidly, he sort of goes, well, so um, 9-11, what do you think? And Kamel's response is, well, a tragedy. He pauses, and then he says, we lost a lot of good men. (laughs) And and it gets a huge laugh, and it it just shows you where that movie is in terms of, like, you're not going to be able to simply be upset, angry, and, you know, driven mad by politics, including a heckler in a club who is a complete racist, who's put in his place funnily in a comedic zone, and I just think it reminds you that Twitter can be toxic and it's really good to have a sense of humor. As That's we face a perfect everything. gift. I feel like he would be honored to give, uh, to give everybody in the world that gift right now. And then the third one, the third gift I give to you, which is really a gift. You know how sometimes you give people gifts that you really want yourself? Yeah, right, I know so, very well. So this is a case of that. I want Phil from Groundhog Day... To give you a day of your choice to relive and make better. Oh my god, Billy, that's you just giving me an existential crisis even thinking about it. <laughs> but, but isn't it a wonderful prospect? I mean, you pick any day from your life that you think you could do a better job of it if you had it to live again. I love that, and, and also, kind of. I know it's not technically a holiday movie, but it hits all the beats of yeah. snow, well, warm clothing. Family, beginnings, well, endings. The holiday is Groundhog Day. The holiday so kinda, is a holiday. It, it sort of slips in. It's February. And it's February. Yeah. I feel like... It's got snow. It's got snow angels. There were a lot got, of twinkly you know, like, lights. Yeah, it's got those ice sculptures. Trees. Yeah. Fir trees. Yeah. It has the feel. Billy always Sorry. bangs his... You know, this is, whenever you hear this, this is Billy <laughs> with his... And I'm always like, Billy, stop banging your leg. Um, I'm going to put Groundhog Day into the pantheon of holiday movies. Okay. <laughs> um, Fair enough. And I'm now having a crisis about what day I'd relive. I don't need to tell you, do no, I? No, that's okay. up to you. At your leisure. Oh, my God, I have absolutely no idea. But thank I you. I have too many. I have too many to choose from. Thank you for that for that gift of existential horror. Mm-hmm. Um, no, 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 but you get to make it better. <laughs> that's the whole point. You get to relive it and then make it better. Okay. God, that movie is perfect, isn't it? It is. It's such a perfect movie. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, mine are way more boring um, because I didn't do your clever thing of gifts, even though that was the idea. I think I might have, we might have come up Sublimally, with together. Sublimely, yeah. Um, I'm going to give you some of my favourite holiday characters okay. for my gifts. Um, and actually, in line with the big sick, I'm going to give you uh, Sandy Bullock in While You Were Sleeping. Oh, Playing nice. Annie. Yeah. Um, what I what you have to remember about have you seen have you seen it recently? No. Okay, it's such a great film for me. Anything with a someone lying pretending to be someone they're not obviously appeals to me vastly. Uh, man up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but it be, it begins on Christmas Day. She's working oh, it's Christmas totally Day. Christmas. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. She's like you know in Chicago. She's in love with Peter Gallagher, who she never talks to. She then mm-hmm. you know saves his life on the tracks. Right. Um, She's in wears some amazing knitwear in that movie. <laughs> if you Google See, it, you'd notice that. Oh, I guess. some incredible yeah. knitwear. Um, mm-hmm. Bill Pullman's character, wonderful, uh, 
he builds furniture. He's Jesus, basically, in that movie. Oh, really if you've ever thought that. about that, yeah, yeah, he's a car. He's like he's a car. He'd be very happy to hear that. Um, and I just think it's one of those movies that manages to um, be schmaltzy, but also it's really about loneliness. It really mm. taps into acutely what it's like to be alone at mm-hmm. Christmas, mm-hmm. Um, and why we look for family and we look for connection at those times. Um, it's also just got some lovely lines. I think he's, his speech at the end when he uh, what he says about he says I don't know whether to hug her or arm wrestle her, which I just think is a lovely yeah. um, summation of her character. And she's just one of those female leads where you have to like her because she's going to lie to an entire family yeah. about being the fiance of this you know their son in a coma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she, Sandra Bullock I think does that so well. Um, she's so likable in that film, um, as is all of her extensive knitwear. Um, so I give you her, Annie, in While okay. You Were Sleeping. Thank you. I also am going to give you a little bit of a curveball one. I'm going to give you Jamie Lee Curtis in Trading Places. Um, <laughs> because that's the rom-com strand of Trading yes, Places. That's the rom-com I know I've been subplot. a bit fast and loose with that. Yes. But um, Lewis Winthrop III and Ophelia, she's called in it. I don't know if you remember rightly. Mm-hmm. Um, Trading Places is, is the Morris family Christmas movie of choice, is just it? so you know. Oh, yes, um, yeah. That and Moonstruck are our two go-to kind of holiday movies. Um, but I love her character in Trading Places. Mm-hmm. You know, they meet when she's been... You know, she's a prostitute who, you know, is in the police station when Dan Aykroyd's character has been arrested, you know, or been fake, you know, forced into being arrested when he hasn't actually uh, done the thing that he's supposed to have done. Um, and she takes him in because she's the heart of gold kind of hooker kind of character, which obviously back in the 80s was a common kind of trope. Mm. But she has such a great... She does have a proper kind of journey in it, mm-hmm. um, pre-Pretty Woman on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, and she runs her own business, so to speak. Uh, she's very strict with how she... Uh, with the rules for Dan Lackford, Lewis Winthorpe, living in the house with her. I, I love that you're giving me a prostitute for Christmas. That's really I, I know. I mean, in so light of... The, I really read the room, didn't I, in uh, uh, light of the current future months um but anyway they were, but they also have a great love story in that movie mm. um and that it's very touching they're kind of they're, they're plot beats so i give you them thank you kindly um they also she also rocks a fantastic christmas jumper in the third act um i'm very big into my knitwear in i see that yeah. holiday movies then finally i'm going to give you carrie fisher in when harry met sally oh, yes and I'll take Carrie Fisher any day. Take her. Anyway, I mean, you know, we she's not here God. anymore, sadly, this yeah, year. So, so we get to see her final performance shortly. Yeah, very shortly. Yeah, actually on Friday, isn't it? Well, Thursday. Soon. Soon. We don't. We, obviously, clearly, we're Star Wars experts. <laughs> um, I love her character when Harry met Sally. Yes. I love Marie. Yes. Marie has one of my favourite lines, which is, the right man for you might be out there right now, and if you don't grab him, someone else will, and you'll have to spend the rest of your life knowing that someone else is married to your husband. <laughs> Yeah. She's this terrible, cynical voice of reason up until she She's meets the pragmatist. Jess, and yeah. then even then she kind of remains slightly pragmatic, but mm-hmm. she lets herself, you mm-hmm. know, kind of go and be romantic. She is the perfect best friend character. Yes. You know, we, we they've become such a trope of, of rom- romantic comedies in general. Um, but she's the real deal. She is, really is yeah. the real deal. Um, yeah. And, you know, overall, you know, it's one of the best New Year's Eve movies you can go. I actually went quite New Year's Eve, didn't I, generally, yeah, in my yeah. sort of vibe. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So those are my... Those are great. Those are my gifts I to you. I welcome them all. And Thank you, you kindly. you also had something else to right. give me. <laughs> now, in line with things that I imagined we were going to be talking about... <laughs> 
I want to know which strain of weed was I smoking that night. Uh, <laughs> things that I imagined we were going to be talking about was I, I had suggested New Year's resolutions from romantic comedies. Yeah, and I had read that and gone, because I'm busy at the moment, and had replied, yes, that's something to think about, dot, 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 and then forgot <laughs> Left about it. it alone. Left okay. it alone. Okay, so I have, I have three New Year's resolutions that I've pulled from romantic comedies. Uh, the ones we've already mentioned, in fact. So one is, uh, this is kind of the obverse to your lying idea, man up, which is tell the truth sooner. That <gasps> would be a resolution. Tell the truth sooner. In the big sick, if only Kumail had been honest with his mom, he could have avoided all kinds of tragedy. And in fact, in many romantic comedies that are built on somebody holding on to a lie... Uh, I always feel like a resolution to take from that would be tell the truth sooner. And you even applied it in Man Up because I, I remember that one issue was you didn't want the whole movie to be about this deception and you were at great pains to have that beat happen sooner in the movie that it, the lie would be revealed. So oh, the yeah. whole relationship would not be about this mistaken identity. Well, I think it was important to me because I had it in the, I had it as the midpoint originally that she revealed who she was Um and um, and it just didn't work. It just didn't work. She was maintaining it for way too long. Yeah, it's so interesting how, like in in movie telling, in storytelling terms, you you do want to keep your secrets, of but course. in life, one hundred percent. Yes. So so it, it's, this is actually, in a way, some feedback on that Twitter discussion we had at the top, which is okay. I'll take a lesson from romantic comedies, meaning how not to follow romantic comedies, exactly, and just say. If you've got a lie, get it out. Be wrong fast. Be Own wrong up fast. To it. Be wrong You'll, fast is a really you know. good... I might get that tattooed across my forehead. All right. Then the other is uh, a lesson learned from Joel and Clementine in Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, which is don't erase bad memories. Don't erase bad memories. Use them. Because I have in my life what I call arg moments. <laughs> you know, <laughs> arg! And they come out of me involuntarily, and they usually stem from me remembering something awful that I did or was involved in many, many years ago. Like, just the other day, I thought of something that happened in the fall of 1971 <laughs> that was driving me crazy to this day. And I finally understood that what I need to do with these moments is use them for material. And find the humor in them and forgive myself for them instead of all these years later still be beating myself up for this bad thing I did. We all, we all do terrible things. I mean, I think that is such a good... My, one of my resolutions last year was don't beat yourself up so much. There you go. So it's kind of the same yeah. sort of thing. I mean, yeah. but I think that erasing bad memories is really... Not erasing them, rather. I mean, it's really interesting because I, I say... You know, my big sort of go-to thing when people, friends of mine or even myself are going through heartbreak or, or whatever is... I always, I always quietly whisper to them, but most of them tend to be writers or creatives, you know, the, the Efron, everything is copy. Like, yeah, so, yeah, it's all like material. You are, you are going to at some point be able to tap into this and say something interesting and new about, you know, your life or and other people's lives and universal themes and everything. So if you get rid of all the shit that's happening to you, you can't, really be, a rom, you can't really be a rom-com yeah. writer. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Okay, so, I like that one a lot. All right, then the third, and we've already mentioned this from the apartment, Fran Kublik at the end of the apartment, Jack Lemon is sitting there, and they're starting to deal out their card game, and he goes into this rapture. He says, Miss Kublik, I adore you, and he's just all of this, and she says, shut up and deal. And to me, that mantra, shut up and deal, 
is going to be my mantra for 2018 because what's happening a lot at the moment with the horrors of the political climate that we're living in and the terrible reign of terror that we have to face on a daily basis is it's so easy to whine and to just go off on all these various things and down in the weeds. And I kind of feel like, no, shut up and deal, as in deal with it. It's time for us to really man up. <laughs> and, in the, and in the coming year, uh, stop talking about how bad it is. And instead, let's get out there yeah. and do the things we I need to do to make, make things better. Billy, these are great resolutions, considering that my other one last year was understand the LA freeway better. <laughs> so um... <laughs> now you're talking. No, but that's serious. God damn it, that that's that's a serious one. That... But I think the shut up and deal thing is also works on other levels in terms of um, what I like about that. And this is probably going way too meta and deep about it. Is that it's a man saying all this stuff to a woman, and she's just saying shut up and deal, and and you could also interpret that as just get on with showing me rather than telling me, you know, like all of these words, apropos of what we're saying about, you know, what can you learn from magic comedies in terms of how women treat men and vice versa is like, I get it. I hear you, but I need to actually see it because how that translates into the modern world is also with, you know, men will text you and, promise you whatever, say I'm going to meet you, then they bail and they don't, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. obviously you can tell there's some personal experience <laughs> going on here. Right. But but what I'm trying to say is that, like, just just show me action, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't need to hear all of your uh, your text messages saying show you me. up, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Just uh, stand outside with a boombox and like, make, make yourself known. <laughs> well, also, you know what's great about that scene, I hadn't, I hadn't really broken it down in my head, is that really she's also saying, by shut up and deal, meaning specific to the card game, the very fact that she's come over and she's shown up and she's sitting there yeah. tells him tells that everything. she loves him. I know. In other words, that doesn't need to be stated. Exactly. So she's basically going, let's start playing the game now. Yes. Let's get into this. Yeah. I don't need these declarations. It's a put your money where your mouth is. Exactly. Yeah. You're great when we Let's finish with some Twitter chat because I, when I put this out saying we were doing a holiday yeah. uh, pod, mm-hmm. we had a couple of people just throw their favourite ones at us, which I suppose we should also like have a little chat about. Right. Um, well, we should name check breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes, I wanted to ask you about that. Somebody wants to talk about it, um, and uh, I want to mention. A pl- I'm going to plug a friend, uh, Sammy Wasson, great writer wrote a book called Fifth Avenue, 5 a.m., which is about the making of Breakfast at Tiffany's. If you have a filmophile friend this Christmas, New Year's holiday season, and you're looking for a gift book, a gift for them, Mm -hmm. this little book, it's charming, it's small, it's quick, it's got photos, it's beautifully written, it's a fantastic, if you're a lover of romantic comedy and Breakfast at Tiffany's, or Audrey Hepburn in particular, I'd say Sam Wasson's uh, Fifth Avenue, 5 a.m. He has a new book that's just come out this week, uh, which is a history of the improv, uh, of of, uh, improvised comedy in America. Oh, interesting. Which is called Improv Nation, which is fantastic. And it tells you everything from Second City all the way through Saturday Night Live and onward. Oh, wow. Wrote a book about Posse that's great, too. Anyway, so... um, But uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's is... It's it's New Year's Eve, as I recall. Yeah, there is holiday stuff towards the end. Yeah. And so it kind of qualifies as a holiday movie. I only, it does have weather. It's got rain. It's not got weather. Snow. It's and got inclement weather. Inclement weather, which is important. 
And there's, a, of course, a musical number. And a cat. And a cat. And it's also got a, just a horrible, horrible, like one of the worst racist, stereotypical, oh, yeah, that's not great, annoying, like if you could just cut Mickey, Mickey Rooney, Rooney out of that movie, it would be a classic, classic, classic. And to me, it's like a fart in the middle of a great opera. It's just, it's, it's I sort it's of awful. forget that it's a rom-com. Um, oh, but it is. I know, yeah. No, it's interesting because, you know, I'm usually the one that's like, but it's totally a rom-com. I forget that it is. Um, and... And I should actually go back and rewatch it because I probably haven't seen it for ten years or so. And I just remember George Peppard and the Ginger Cat and the Rain, and you know that was all was important to me at the time. They are great. Um, so yes, that definitely counts. Um, we've already done. Someone asked us for extensive and impassioned thoughts on Shop Around the Corner, which you yes. have covered. A um, couple of people mentioned The Family Stone, which I have not oh, yeah. seen. Okay, so that's a good little movie, and I yeah. think it's Thanksgiving. It is. It's yeah. a thanks, G. I believe it's Thanksgiving. Yep. And Diane Keaton is quite wonderful. Oh, it? is she in it? Why yeah. have I not seen that? Yeah, so what am I doing with it. my life? Yes. No, that's a good movie. It's kind of underrated because it's... Is it Sarah it's, Jessica Parker? Uh, she might be in there, yeah. And there's a... What's his name? Um, I'm picturing in my head and I can't... I can't see inside your head. Uh, it's got a good cast. Okay, great. And uh, it's kind of an ensemble thing. Uh, and uh, it's very sweet. At the core, and it's well, got we, some funny bits. We cl- clearly, clearly need to watch it and rewatch it because we. Yeah, I've only seen it the once. Yeah, but it's a good little movie. Yeah. Uh, obviously, there's love actually thrown in, but we did a whole pod on that last year. Let me say, let me say this about that. I came up with a short list of what would be the traditional holiday rom coms that everybody thinks of, and that would be Love Actually, Sleepless in Seattle, While You Were Sleeping. Bridget Jones. Yeah, right? I've got this Christmas got climax, BJ. and of course, when Harry met Sally, yep. which has New Year's and Christmas. I would obligatory add, of course, the holiday. The holiday because we have to, right? <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's my least one of my least favorite yeah. Myers. Me Great too. knitwear in that again, though. Fantastic yeah. knitwear. Yeah, and then for feels, I would nominate Serendipity. Do you, interesting, Kuzak and Beckinsale. Yes, the gloves. Yes, exactly. I feel Christmas Eve. Very yes. I think I've only seen it once. I cannot remember if I thought it was over the top or what. But, but I love Kuzak. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not making a case where it is a great movie. I okay. think it's flawed. Flawed. But it has what we're talking about. It has that feel. Weather. You mean lot, it's got weather? A lot of weather. It's got snow. <laughs> it's got rain. And it's got this sort of the magical idea yeah. of, you know, the magic of the holiday kind of factors I, into their story. I didn't hate it. I don't. Yeah. I definitely didn't hate it. And then uh, also worthy of mention, a lot of people like to cite Die Hard as their, <laughs> as their favorite Christmas movie. You know, because it's kind of like the hipsters version of a great Christmas movie. So I've actually got my take on that would be a great Christmas movie that is non-genre that has a great romantic comedy relationship in it would be Shane Black's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of that movie. Really? Yeah, not not big into that movie. Even with Michelle Monaghan and her yeah, great Santa outfit. No, the just felt I'm, I and the yeah, I, I know, that's, no, you know, that's no. making it even worse. No. Really, just okay. trying to sell it to me based Maybe on it's a, me- a sexy thing. Santa yeah. actress. <laughs> but she's good though. She's not just sexy and cute. She's a great. I thought thought it was good. I choice. just I remember liking one scene where they go around the bar and and try and guess who's the the like Russian Steven Seagal or something. Um, right. 
I yeah, shame for me that it was not his finest work. Hmm. Long Kiss Goodnight will get me every time. Yeah, but I'm a fan of that. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was not. I thought of this one because it starts on Christmas. He's actually in. It's not the very first scene, but early scene. Robert Downey is stealing a gift for his niece for Christmas, and it's yes, kind of I remember that. Yeah, Christmas party. I mean, most of Shane Black's movies are Christmas. He loves a Christmas he movie. Does, oh yeah, yeah, leave yeah. The way. I mean, he's a mm. holiday right. holiday man. Right. Um, what about It's a Wonderful Life? <laughs> well, is it a comedy? That's the thing. I think, you know what, I'm going to say that it is. Because I think when you tell the story of what that film is about, it's a funny story in terms of an angel comes to visit him called Clarence. I'll meet you in the middle and say dramedy. Okay, let's do dramedy, yeah. Yeah. Um, Because it goes dark. But it does go dark. But it's driven by his love for her. Totally. Take out. And, and their courtship in the early part of the movie. Buffalo is, Girls. Yeah, Buffalo Girls. I mean, that's romantic comedy through and through. So, yeah. absolutely. Hybrid. 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 Okay. Yeah. Um, Bridget Jones, yes. Let's not forget Bridge. Yeah, Bridge with um, that wonderful uh, soup that she makes that turns blue. Oh, I mean, that's, is that the second one or the first? I can't remember the first, first one. First one. I don't know yeah. them super well. I don't know them I don't as well know as I the should. Second or third at you all. don't really. No. You, that's just, let's just stick with the first one. Yes. That's all we need for yeah. Christmas yeah, is yeah. the first one. All we need for Christmas. Um, okay, and then finally on Twitter, mm-hmm. Tully Archer, who maybe, I feel like you maybe know her, but she tweeted us and said, mm-hmm. talk about what makes a good holiday rom-com, not a rom-com with Santa pants on, but a true <laughs> holiday film that's also it. romantic. Yeah. So that's well, her first question. I, I think we've we've some we take them one, one at a time. That, that we've kind of been speaking to it throughout, right? Yes. We, certainly snow. That's weather. Weather. <laughs> weather has to be in there. And I loved your summary of this idea of beginnings and endings and family and uh, coming from the cold into the warm. I love that. That's so, like, primeval mm. and it's so true. So you got to have that in, in a holiday rom-com. Uh, I mean, even Bad Santa has those elements in there. It really does. So, so that's the thing, more than Santa Claus himself. Yeah, and I would say as well that a good... A good asking kind of, I mean, a good holiday rom-com is, is, is basically a good rom-com or a good movie. Um, you still need to think about everything um, that you would think about with any other movie that you're writing. Um, right. Um, but what I would say, and I think we've spoken about this before, um, is that it, they, there are certain different rules in Christmas romantic yes. comedy, in Christmas movies in general. Yes. Um, and they are the fuck it, it's Christmas Yes. Rule. Um, So the drives and reasons why people do things can be slightly uh, less thought out than um, in other uh, yes, and to me, to me, this is a swinging door. Yes. It goes both ways. I mean, <laughs> it's so easy to abuse it. You know, so many yes. bad rom-com Christmas moments are simply because, oh, it's Christmas, yes. so this will work. I don't think it should be... I, I'm not saying that that's what you should do, yeah. um, but I'm saying that there are definitely... You can look at the structure of your movies... Um, in terms of thinking, but why would they do that? And then not just because it's Christmas, but then mm-hmm. you can add to it the layers and layers and layers of that. So in terms of like, did they lose someone at Christmas or did they get their heart broken at Christmas? Or Yes, but there is something in this, um, just thinking out loud, which is Christmas itself as a holiday is kind of the, the, the sort of the dark gag of Christmas is this is this one day out of the year that you're supposed to be a better human being, right? And it's like you put on your good person hat, you know, for the yeah. day. And this kind of comes back to what we were saying about romantic comedy, which is this this notion of the exalted ideal of a romance is being presented. 
And there the excuse is, if you're in love, it excuses a multitude of sins. True. So I think they have that in common. There's a sense of like, Christmas makes a lot of excuses. Being in love makes a lot of excuses. Yeah, that's very Put true. Put them together and you've got, in a good movie, you've got that kind of fusion of magical thinking. Yes, and very often it's, it can, you know, like we've been talking about, you know, there's also lots of movies where it's just, sorry, Nora is now eating, um, that is her bowl. I mean, if, nice. if ever there was a Christmas cat, look at that yeah. fat splodge of a cat. Yes, she is cat. a Christmas cat. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, totally lost my train of thought there. Um, Talking about the magical th- Yes, thinking. there's often, um, like something like Moonstruck, we don't think of it as a Christmas movie, but mm-hmm. the world is Christmassy. So sometimes yeah. it's, as, it's as simple as using it for theme and imagery and all of the things that are important in the makeup of a film. Yeah. Um, so I think really, in answer to her question, it's exactly the same things that make any other movie good. <laughs> <laughs> Only with magic. Only with snow. Uh, her second snow question magic, was, yes. what time of year do the studios start looking for such a thing? Well, I have great news for you on that front, All which year is round. 365 <laughs> days. It what? really doesn't matter. I mean, uh, studios basically, their whole raison d'etre is to find movies to fit certain holidays and slots. So they're always trying to fill their holiday dates. You could submit a Christmas movie in August. Oh, yeah. And believe me, if it's wonderful, that's fine. So yeah. I made me think about because I've been writing my Christ- my Secret Santa my Christmas movie since 2013 now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been in various uh, uh, forms and um, and it and, and every every year. I mean, we say there's not a particular time they're looking, but I must say that round about uh, October November time, I do tend to get the odd email from someone uh, in I had a production company who's like, hey. Have you ever thought about writing a Christmas movie? <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> and yeah, to like, which I reply, actually, yeah. I've got this one that I wrote right. five or six years ago now. Yeah. Uh, needs some work. Uh, how are you feeling about it? But but I do um, I do think if you can get it right mm-hmm. um, and you can come up with, just like we always talk about on these pods, if you can come up with the unique angle um, right. on Story the Christmas rom-com, yes. yeah, then I, you are onto a winner for sure. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, all year round, Tully. Uh, her third question is not a question. It's a it's statement. It's a statement. She says... You guys... Are awesome. And I, I just have to go, you, you, in fact, are awesome. You are All awesome. the people who listen to this podcast and actually put up with the two of us and <laughs> our sound effects and everything else that goes on in this madness, uh, we really love that you people are with us. And, and we've listening. done six. This is number six. That's amazing. We've managed... Yeah. I mean... It's not great considering the whole year has passed and we've done only six. We should have done 12, yeah. but next year we will do better. We're going to try. Um, and we've all had a very complex year. And let Indeed. me just say, Billy, that doing these with you has been a highlight of mine. Oh, boom, 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 goes my heart. <laughs> mine too, mine too. We will see you in 2018. Yes. Oh, my God. Have a good one. Bye. 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 <laughs>